and I'll bet that they're being heard on every radio telescope on the entire Earth. Are you feeling by any chance like a goober? Oh, no, you are, but what am I? What does it look like I'm doing picking goobers? Pardon me, did I hear you say? On the radio, he is introduced like this. You're listening to the Goober Hour, your weekly dose of terror. Abominable creatures rise to life No more morning It's a lovely morning Such a lovely morning The witches brew up eyeball soup While Phoebe Bridgers plays on loop Celebration With no expiration Cause that day is finally here Where we fill our hearts with fear the most dreadful time of year Dracula's dawning full cashmere He can't see it in the mirror You're looking better In a hollow day sweater Such a lovely sweater Little goblins will get vile On a pickled roast beast pile We're all feeling gleesome don't ask where the meat's from Do you hear what I hear? All the screams are so severe The most dreadful time of year Take it, Frankie! Yes, it is that dreadful time of year, and that's why I assume if you're listening to this, you are either a ghoul, a goblin, or a witch. As one can assume, they have taken over the whole town. Congratulations, if you're a human, lock your doors, close all your windows, and enjoy the next two hours. That's right, I said two hours. It's actually false advertising. We should call it the Ghoulber Hours, because for the next 120 terrifying minutes, I will be celebrating the amazing, spooky season. Can you tell I'm a little excited? You know what? This only comes once a year, so I'm going to give it my all. <laughs> I'm your devilishly handsome host, Trevor Walls, broadcasting from my spooky castle here in 
the terrifying city of Los Angeles, California. You know, that, that part isn't a joke. It really is. It really is a scare over here. Today, we're going to be celebrating the season with some spooky stories, some interviews with vampires and witches. I may need to bring an air purifier into the studio for some of those. And of course, I'm going to be playing some of my favorite Halloween music, some old, some new, some in between that you've never heard before, but as soon as you do, you're going to let out a scream. <laughs> this is not for the faint of heart, folks. Welcome to the Goolber Hour. Thank you for joining us. Now I have just one question to ask you. Trick or treat? Trick or treat, baby, on a night like this. Trick or treat, whoa, whoa, and that means a kiss. Trick or treat, baby, and don't let me miss a sweet kiss from you on a night like this. Trick or treat, baby, by the light of the moon. Trick or treat, whoa, whoa, don't leave me so soon. Trick or treat, baby, I go in a swoon from the sweet way you kiss me by the light of the moon. Trick or treat, baby, oh, what a night. Trick or treat, whoa, whoa, what a sweet delight. Trick or treat, baby, and hold me tight and keep a kissing me sweetly. Oh, what a night. you to kiss me in your own sweet way a trick or treat sorry about the squeaky door come on in you can put your coats in here i was looking out my window late one night when my eyes beheld a normal sight my next-door neighbors, Susan and Marty, were having people over. They were throwing a party. They had a bash. They had a human bash. A human bash. It was a normal smash. They had a bash. I'd say they made quite a splash. They had a bash. They had a human bash. The children were having fun. The party had just begun. Guests included neighbors, family, friends, and people from work. The scene was chill, it was strictly low-key. They ate onion dip and sang karaoke. Dress code was informal, but not too casual. Somebody brought a nice tuna casserole. Along about two a.m. I had enough. I can only take so much human stuff. I opened the window, shook my fist, and said, Keep it down or I'm gonna call the cops! They had a human bash. A human bash. It was a normal smash. One guy there had a mustache. They had a bash. They had a human bash. They had a bash. They had a human bash. When it was over, they took out the trash. If they have another one, I think I might crash. They had a human bash. Yes, Eagle, you impetuous young boy. Ah! 
test that creates a beast In a secret laboratory Nature plots revenge, it's what that it seeks That's where we begin our story The cat went to heads stuff. I'm Trevor Walls. You're listening to the Goolber Hour on this Halloween weekend. And if you're in any way feeling scared silly, I recommend right now that you turn the radio dial away from this show at once or close the internet browser, whatever, however you're listening to this right now. I warn you, it'll only get scarier from here. And I know what you're thinking, scarier than a cat with two heads? I don't even like my cat with one head. Just kidding. Uh, We love cats here. But you know what? You have been warned. Coming up this hour, I'm going to be talking to a witch about her cooking techniques. I don't really know what that entails, but I'm very excited about it. We're also going to have a few spooky stories along the way. But first, a little visit from some grim, grinning ghosts. (laughs) This is the Gulbar Hour, celebrating the spooky season right. When hinges creak in doorless chambers and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls, whenever candlelights flicker where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight.
creak and the tombstones quake. Spooks of wing and wake. Happy haunts materialize. And begin to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. Or a silly spook may sit by your side. Shrouded in a darkish hide. They pretend to terrorize. Grim windows out to socialize. As the moon climbs high over the dead oak tree. Spooks arrive for the midnight street. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes. Starts to shriek and harmonize. Grim windows start to socialize. When you hear the knell of a requiem bell, we're ghosting where spirits swell. Restless bones etherealize. Rises spooks of every size. <laughs> When the crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake, spooks come out for a swinging wake. Happy hot materialize and begin to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide, or a silly spook may sit by your side, shrouded in a death disguise. They pretend to terrorize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to Socialize. As the moon climbs high over the dead oak tree, spooks arrive for the midnight spree. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes start to shriek and harmonize. Green grinning ghosts come out to socialize. When you hear the knell of a requiem bell, weird glows gleam where the spirits dwell. Restless bones etherealize, rises spooks of every size. Oh, yes, they do. When the crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake, who's the mouth for Happy haunts materialize, and we begin to vocalize. Bring windows, come out to socialize. Don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. All the city's food makes it by your side. Shrouded in the They pretend to terrorize. As the moon climbs high over the hill of tree, spooks arrive on midnight street. Creepy creeps within the eyes, start to shake and harmonize. Creeping ghosts come to socialize. When you hear the bell, the requiem bell, it goes to the ears and ears and ears. Restless bones, he's hearing eyes, rises spooks of every size. If you would like to join our jamboree, there's a simple rule that's compulsory. Mortals pay a token fee. Rest in peace, the hauntings free. So hurry back, we would like your company. my room smile wiped clean isn't it weird to 
be so mean I'm guessing that I've grown horns I guess I'm human no more I craft my words to fit your head Cause no one listens to the dead So maybe I will talk to you The only way I know how to mm-hmm, I've said my speech mm-hmm, Through sharpened teeth You break the rules and spikes grow from your skin let the devil in A meter apart We blankly stare We shout in our heads Are you still in there? Well this ends bad then We knew it would So we won't eat our words Cause they don't taste good I'm guessing that I've grown horns I guess I'm human no more A thousand words are left unsaid Cause no one listens to the dead So maybe I'll talk to you The only way I know how to mm-hmm, I've said my speech mm-hmm, Through sharpened teeth You break the rules and spikes grow from your skin nothing scary for I have never been afraid of anything not very then I was deep within the woods when suddenly I spied them I saw a pair of pale green pants with nobody inside them I wasn't scared but yet I stopped 
What could those pants be there for? What could a pair of pants at night be standing in the air for? And then, they moved. Those empty pants. They kind of started jumping. And then my heart, I must admit, it kind of started thumping. So I got out. I got out fast, as fast as I could go, sir. I wasn't scared. But pants like that I did not care for. No, sir. After that, a week went by. Then one dark night in Greenwich, I had to do an errand there and fetch some Greenwich spinach. Well, I had fetched the spinach. I was starting back through town when those pants biked round a corner and they almost knocked me down. Now, bicycles were never made for pale green pants to ride them. Especially spooky pale green pants with nobody inside them. I lost my Greenwich spinach, but I didn't even care. I ran for home. Believe me, I had really had a scare. And the next night, I was fishing for doubt trout on River River, and those pants came rowing toward me, and I started into shiver. And by now I was so frightened. Well, I'll tell you, but I hate to. I screamed and rode away and lost my hook and line and bait too. I ran and found a brickle bush. I hid myself away. I got brickles in my britches. But I stayed there anyway. I stayed all night. The next night, too. I'd be there still, no doubt. But I had to do an errand. So the next night, I went out. I had to do an errand. Had to pick a peck of snide in a dark and gloomy snide field that was almost nine miles wide. I said, I do not fear those pants with nobody inside them. I said and said and said those words. I said them, but I lied them. Then I reached inside a snide bush, and the next thing that I knew, I felt my hand touch someone. And I'll bet that you know who. And there I was, caught in the snide, and in that dreadful place. Those spooky, empty pants and I were standing face to face. I yelled for help. I screamed. I shrieked. I howled. I yowled. I cried, oh, save me from these pale green pants with nobody inside. But then... A strange thing happened. Then those pants began to cry. Those pants began to tremble. They were just as scared as I. I never heard such whimpering. And I began to see that I was just as strange to them as they were strange to me. I put my arm around their waist and sat right down beside them. 
I calmed them down. Poor empty pants with nobody inside them. And now we meet quite often, those empty pants and I. And we never shake or tremble. We both smile. And we say, Hi. Hi. Hi.
Listening to the Goulber Hour, and speaking of Hocus Pocus, I'm now very pleased to say that I'm joined in the studio by an authentic, genuine witch. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Trevor. Very nice to make your acquaintance today. <laughs> yes, that well, thank you for making the time. I know it must be a busy time of year for you. Um, I'm so, so it's very rude of me, but I didn't catch your name. My name is Suze. I mean, the Great. Susanna the Wicked from Salem. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, I hear there's a lot of, there's a big witch scene going down in Salem, according to the movies. <laughs> oh, don't listen to the movies. They only show the pretty ones. <laughs> Roger that. All right. So you're if, you're, if I'm not mistaken, you're here to give us a recipe of some sort. This is a cooking, se- I guess we do cooking segments now. Is this what's happening? Ah, yes. I had my assistant, the great Frederick the Horned Toad, bring in my cauldron to the studio today so <laughs> I can make the wickedest, bubblingest, boilingest potion that you've ever seen in your life. I'm, I'm so excited. This is radio, so I feel bad for all of the listeners out there who won't see it in their lifetime, but uh, but I'll do my best to describe it. So yes, you do have a big cauldron here. I'm very excited to see what you're cooking up for us today. Oh yes. So dear listeners, all my goblins, ghouls, and all other fools, you must first start with your biggest, darkest, deepest... Deepest what? Your deepest, darkest desire. And once you have your darkest, deepest desire in the depths of your mind, Mm. slowly bring it to the forefront. And then imagine it as you stare into your empty cauldron. Okay, and this is assuming that all of the listeners out there have their own cauldrons. Is there anything that can substitute for a cauldron? Well, I suppose you can use any old soda pop can. Okay. Wow, that's not what I was expecting for ah. a cauldron substitute. Okay, yeah, just, yeah. Just cut the substitutions of all of the ingredients by one-fourth squared and you will have the perfect proportions for your soda can cauldron. Okay, noted. Alright, so what are we making, by the way? What's what's happening here? Oh, we are making a potion, dear Trevor. That will ah. make all of your wishes come true. Oh. I've made this potion many, many times, and it brought me all the way here to the Gulber Hour, so I shall say it has 15% accuracy. Okay, well, that's that's very exciting. I feel like this isn't something often covered on radio, so take that, NPR. All right, so what's the first ingredient? The first ingredient, after you've pictured your deepest, darkest Oh, sorry, yes, second, second ingredient the second. after the desire. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, Trevor, this is my segment. You can do oh. less of the chatting. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm the host. Okay. <laughs> oh, you are one silly little goose. Thank you. Speaking of goose, you need 17 feathers from the wings of this spookiest goose that waddles across your front yard and paddles through your moat. You must catch it in your biggest butterfly net and pluck the feathers from the wings and deposit them into the cauldron. Oh, is there a vegan option for that? That sounds very cruel. 
I suppose you can politely ask the goose to supply the feathers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, most geese are rather polite, despite the bad reputation they get from the media and the movies. Okay. I assume everyone listening has already plucked their gooses at this point, so, or their geese. Thank Almost you. messed today. You're welcome. Um, so then what? So, I have Gilbert here. He is my favorite goose. Oh, he hey, supplies Gilbert. Wow. Oh, thank you, Gilbert. So, oh, Gilbert's getting a little feisty. Gilbert, stop! Gilbert, Gilbert! Gilbert, Gilbert, please. Oh, my. He's rather feisty around this time of year. He's molting, so he doesn't have many feathers to spare. Oh, that's that's awful. But in return, I give him a couple drops of this potion, and they grow right back. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Multitasking. Okay, so after the goose... Ah, uh, yes, you have your feathers. Now, Trevor, I need you to supply me some of your finest frog's breath. Frog's... You need me to supply some of the finest frog's breath? Let's say our let's say our listeners don't have pet frogs at home to wait for them to let out a little burp. Uh, what what's a good substitute for frogs' breath? Mm, we don't use burps. We use belches only. Belches and squelches from the nastiest toads you can find in your wet grass. I suggest, dear listeners, to go into your gardens in the wee witching hours of the morning, approximately. 5.14 a.m. and dig through the dewy grass until you find a sleeping toad and wait for it to slowly wake up and let out a little yawn and then suck it into your mouth and slowly carry it. Be sure not to open your mouth or breathe through your nose or else you will let go of all of the green frog gas. You know, this recipe is starting to sound a little bit limiting to our listeners. It's a, it's a little bit challenging to get through this potion, I think. It's very simple. It's in chapter uh, one, the prologue of my witch's spells. Okay. It's simple. Sorry for doubting you. All right, so what, what is the final ingredient? The final ingredient is a kiss from your true love. So, dear listeners, have your dearest, truest love blow a kiss into the cauldron. Okay. Uh, let's say that maybe the listeners haven't met their true love yet or don't have access to them at this time. What's, is, does FaceTime work? Is, what, what's, what's the substitute for... Ga- I'm just trying to make this more accessible. Well, Great, Trevor. Susan. <laughs> Susanna. Susan, uh, Susanna. Susanna. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. Oh, okay, Salem. Trevor. I don't think you quite understand how I live my life. I I definitely do not. Trevor, I am a witch in Salem who was denied from every, every single casting call for movies about witches in Salem, which is approximately 17 casting calls per year. So, what I'm trying to say is I live my life very lonely and very alone. Aside from my sidekick, my hunchman, my toad. He's not my true love. In fact... I don't have a true love. I don't love anyone besides myself. So, dear listeners, if you don't have a true love, all you need to do is simply look in a mirror or hold up a picture of me. And I will summon a kiss to blow into your cauldron because the only thing I love more than myself is a perfectly executed potion. That's actually kind of inspiring. That's motivational. You know, love yourself before anyone else. I think that's that's beautiful. Well, thank you, Trevor. When 
I was dropped into the middle of the forest when I was first hatched from my egg. <laughs> I had to live a lonely life, jumping from city to city. But I'm not a city girl, I am a witch. And so, Trevor, blow your kiss into your own cauldron. I, I assume that you've been following along perfectly. Uh, oh, yep, yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Just don't look b- behind my desk, but yes, I'm following this perfectly. Mwah, mwah. Oh, perfect. Okay, and I'll just snatch one of those and put them into my cauldron. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Trevor, yep. I love to play games. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? It's Halloween. Oh, now, Ansel, to finish the potion, Trevor, you must answer me this. My riddle's three. <laughs> three of them? Yes. Okay. Riddle number one. Are you single? Okay. All right. We're just gonna. Chicken, my chicken, my cranny crow. I went to the well to wash my toe. And when I got there, the water was low. What time is it, old witch, old witch? What time is it, old witch? Old witch, old witch, she lives in a ditch and combs her hair with a hickory switch. She lives on snails and nails and flies. And if you go near, she'll wobble her eyes. Oh, she'll wobble her eyes. Oh, she'll wobble her eyes. Chicken, my chicken, my creamy cran. I went to the well to wash my hand, and when I got there, the water was sand. What time is it, old witch, old witch? What time is it, old witch? Old witch, old witch, she lives in a ditch and combs her hair with a hickory switch. She's fat as a feather, but died in the middle, and when she laughs, she sounds like a fiddle. Oh, she sounds like a fiddle. Oh, she sounds like a fiddle. Chicken, my chicken, my creamy crace. I went to the well to wash my face, and when I got there, the water was lace. What time is it, old witch, old witch? Oh, what time is it, old witch? Old witch, old witch, she lived in a ditch and combed her hair with a hickory switch. She sleeps on a bed of straw and thorn, and when she snores, she sounds like a horn. Oh, she sounds like a horn. Oh, she sounds like a horn. Chicken, my chicken, my creamy craigs. I went to the well to wash my legs, and when I got there, the water was dregs. What time is it, old witch, old witch, oh, what time is it, old witch? Old witch, old witch, she lives in a ditch and combs her hair with a hickory switch. And as I said, she's very fat, and when she walks, she jumps like a cat. Oh, she jumps like a cat. Oh, she jumps like a cat. My chicken, my creamy craigs. I went to the well to wash my legs, and when I got there, the water was dregs. What time is it, old witch? Old witch, oh, what time is it, old witch? Old witch, old witch, she lives in a ditch and combs her hair with a hickory switch. And as I said, she's very fat, and when she walks, she jumps like a cat. Oh, she jumps like a cat. <laughs> she jumps like a cat. It's a little old lady from Transylvania. Transylvania. I'm known from London to Pennsylvania. I drive your tracks and through the mud. I guess you might say racing's in my blood. I can shut down Bella and Boris too. 
My mill fuel injected with witch's brew. My car's painted bright poison apple red with pipes loud enough to wake up the dead. Sweetheart of the vampire crypt. When the moon is full, I go kind of heady, making trial runs through the cemetery. Oh my, I'm too much. I'm the little old lady from Transylvania. I'm known from London to Pennsylvania. I drive dirt tracks and through the mud. I guess you might say racing's in my blood. Oh, I'm just dying to meet up with that little old winemaker. How to shut him down? He thinks he's too much. My witch's brew. My poison apple red candy colored car. He's nothing. You may be wondering why I asked you here today. Well, it all started last Saturday night at the movies. My girl and I were watching The Creature from the Black Slacks Lagoon. Black Slacks. Black Slacks. Oh, look! Over there! What is that weird, gruesome-looking creature? It's huge! It looks like a, a giant grasshopper! With a big beak on it! It must have come from the ocean floor! Looks like my English teacher. His name is Mr. Big. It's headed for my girl. What's gonna happen? Goodness gracious! Holy mackerel! What I gonna do now, there? It's looking at them. Oh, look, it's talking to them. They're laughing. Laughing? Laughing? Laughing. Hmm. General H. Mendel Miramar here. No, not the army. Maybe Air Force. Get me Washington. Something's loose here. Some creature. We've got to find it and stop it. Gonna find it. What's that, Sergeant? You found the creature? On Main Street? You know what to do. I'm gonna walk right down that street like Cannons have no effect on it. The A-bomb is useless. Everybody stop laughing. We've got to use our secret weapon. You mean the... Yes, the gun. <laughs> this is clearly the case for science. Get me Professor Roger Cool. This is cool, man. What's your problem? There's a creature loose down here, Cool. This is a shaky situation. Oh, I think you and your staff should investigate at once. Oh, okay, man. We'll pop over as soon as we find a helicopter. Well, here we are, man. Meet and greet my crazy girl assistant sinus. Well, hello there, big boy. Teet, cool. You're just in time, boy. The creature has oozed into a cave. Oozed? Man, like, what is it? You'll never believe this, cool. Goo. 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 Cool. You are going in that cave. That'll be the day. That'll be the day. I'll go. No, girl, don't give me any of that jazz. Like we have to make the scene in the next picture. You can't stop me, Roger. I'm going. Bye-bye, love. Bye-bye, happiness.
whoever he may be. Doctor, doctor, can I see you next? Boom, 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 boom. There is something that I'd like to confess. Life's pretty cool. I played by the rules. I tried to be a monster who was friendly and smart. But you came with forks and flame. Now I'll never be the same. Why'd you go and break my heart? You think you got it bad? I fell in love with her the moment we met. Boom, 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 boom. It was an evening that I'll never forget. Boom, boom, boom. We went for a kiss. I slipped and I missed and accidentally bit her neck. Not smart. Boom, boom, She's boom. a vampire forever, but we'll never be together. Why'd you go and break my heart? Oh, Linda. I'm in love with a gal, but she said I'm too wet. When I see the full moon, I become my own pet. I'm stuck haunting a person I don't even really like. Ho, ho, ho. I have to deliver Christmas presents every single Christmas night. Get out, Santa! It's called Halloween! Halloween. Halloween. Everybody loves us in the midst of October. But when November hits, all the affection is over. We want a life of love and we're ready to start. Why'd you go and break our hearts? Oh, yeah. Why'd you go and break our hearts? It's like you took a wooden stake to it. Why'd you go and break our hearts? Nailed it. Are you a monster who feels monstrously out of shape? Are you having trouble fitting into your old coffin? Don't just sit on the couch like some kind of blob. Hey, I am a blob. Come on down to Ghoul's Gym. Ghoul's Gym, the cutting edge of exercise. A one-year disc membership at Ghoul's Gym comes with access to all of our classes, including scarobics, ickboxing, and zomba. You'll love working out on our stake-of-the-heart grim equipment. Build up your smeltoids on the stench press. Increase your gore strength with saw squats, jumping jack-o'-lanterns, and spit-ups. If you want to get grim and trim, you'll need to put in the blood, sweat, and fears on the treadmill, the scare master, and the post-apocalyptical trainer. And if you're new to bodybuilding, rest in peace easy because we'll give you a free demonstration to help get you up and running scared. When your workout is done, feel free to relax in the rot tub or the scream room. Ghoul's Gym. Yes pain, yes gain. Join now for a 10% Fiends and Family discount. Offer good until the end of the zombie apocalypse.
with a costume party. You know, Halloween costumes, obviously a very big part of the season. Perhaps you're even listening to this as your official trick-or-treating soundtrack right now if you're listening on our website, thegooberhour.com. But whatever time you're listening, I thought it would be great to celebrate the costumes of this season by checking in on some old friends and asking them what they're dressing up as for Halloween this year. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Grandpa Cramps. I'm going as an old man in bed, so that way I can even sleep while standing up. It's showrunner Mr. Perks here. I'm going as someone very important. Because that's what I go as every day of my life. <laughs> I, Mrs. Pigeons Pillow, am going as a customer service agent. Because I thought no one else can help me, I may as well help myself. What's that? You need a different size of pillows? No worries, we'll send that to you right away. <laughs> if only, right? Hello, this is Herb. I thought I would go as something from pop culture, like a Star Wars character or something, but then I realized that it's not very timeless. One day people will look back and not know what I'm dressed up as when they see my photos, so instead I just went as a book, because you can always count on books being popular. Hi, I'm Steve. I live in the studio walls. And this year, like every year, I am going as my pet rat, Jeff. My pet rat, Jeff, is going as me. It's, it's clever. 
Ah, that's haunting. Now, if you want to tell me what you're dressing up as this year, email trevor at thegooberhour.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now, if you're listening to this and you don't have a costume yet, don't worry. I mean, I'd be a little worried, but don't worry. There's plenty out there for you. You can run to the Spirit Halloween and scoop up the leftovers. Or, Esther Crow is here to tell you that maybe you can just make something yourself. Time to use those magical minds. Look in your house, see what you can't find. Take something over. Your arms out in front by your head 
Yeah, what don't she belong? Cause zombie life ain't wonderful because you've just joined the living dead. You moan, you groan, you shriek You're just one big evil streak And flesh is the only thing you need You bite, you know you chew Oh my goodness, look at you Just look at you Just look at you You walk, don't sleep at all Zombie life ain't wonderful You walk, don't sleep at all Zombie life ain't wonderful. You walk, you walk, don't sleep at all. Zombie life ain't wonderful. It's horrible, well, so terrible. In fact, it's no fun at all. I am a zombie, but I never ever wanted to be. Oh, it's been a dark in here. Whether it's from a monster on Halloween or a rogue beetle in the 60s, you never know who you're, you're going to be from. You're listening to the Goober Hour. I hope you're having a very haunting morning slash afternoon slash evening slash whenever you're listening to this. Coming up next, we're going to hear Bing Crosby's legend of Sleepy Hollow, an incredible story to hear over the radio. But first... If you're as curious as I am about what the Munsters are up to right now, I'm here to answer your question. They're singing Sonny and Cher, of course. They say we're young and we don't know. We won't find out until... Well, I don't know if all I 
Gabe. If we could but journey back to that remote period in American history when the city of Manhattan was but a market town, we would discover in the bosom of one of those spacious coves which indent the shores of the Hudson, the little village of Sleepy Hollow. It was a quiet, peaceful place, and yet somehow... foreboding. Indeed, Sleepy Hollow was famed far and near as a haunted spot, full of twilight tales and local superstitions. Now, late one drowsy autumn afternoon, a group of rustic lads had foregathered at the local tavern, in company with their leader, one Brown Bones, a burly, roistering blade, much given to practical jokes, but withal, quite the hero of the countryside. Brown was in the midst of one of his favorite stories. And you should have seen his face when he found his horse hanging from the church steeple. <laughs> Why, he carried on bit odds. Brown's story was never finished. For down the street came a man of such outlandish appearance that every tongue in the village was soon set to wagging. Who's that coming down the street? Are they shovels or are they feet? Lean and lanky, skin and bone, with clothes a scarecrow would hate to own. Yet he has a certain name. It's the new schoolmaster. What's his name? Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. <laughs> ah, the schoolroom became Ichabod's empire, over which he held absolute sway. Silence! Indeed, Ichabod was a conscientious man and ever bore in mind the golden maxim spare the rod and spoil the child. Peter, my boy, he'd say. This'll hurt me more than it does you. Bend over. Now, the pedagogue is generally considered a man of some importance in female circles. Ichabod was no exception. Indeed, he soon proved himself a man of many talents. And among other things, became the singing master in the village. Ladies, ladies, please, please. The pear-shaped tones I want. The mask project. Let me hear it. Observe. Regarde. Me, 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 me. Further, Ichabod was kind of a local gazette, carrying the news from one household to the next, for the schoolmaster loved to gossip. Now, I wouldn't want this to go any further, ladies, but I happen to no, know the, the very other... idea. She didn't. Oh, yes, she did. And what's more, it has come to my attention that on what... One... Oh, yes. When it came to the weaker sex, there could be no doubt of it. He's a town's ladies' man Gets around like nobody can Of course it is none other than Ichabod, Ichabod Crane Now Ichabod, being a man of letters, had a book which he had read quite through A Treatise on New England Witchcraft A subject, by the way, upon which the schoolmaster considered himself quite an authority and on long winter evenings, one could usually find him seated in a chimney corner in some nearby farmhouse, regaling the good Dutch housewives with many marvelous tales of ghosts and goblins. It was a monstrous thing with great green eyes and gaping jaws. Slowly it crept upon the unsuspecting maiden. Suddenly she turned and... But if there was pleasure in this, it was dearly purchased by the terrors of Ichabod's walk homeward. 
For oftentimes Brom Bones and his routers would lie in wait along some dark and gloomy road. And there concoct for the schoolmaster a dish of his own medicine. Yet, these were but terrors of the night. Ichabod would have passed a pleasant enough life of it had his path not been crossed by a being that causes more perplexity than ghosts and goblins. And that was a woman. Katrina Van Tassel, daughter and only child of old Baltus Van Tassel, the richest farmer in the county. Ah, she was a blooming lass, ripe, melting, rosy-cheeked, but a bit of a coquette. For Katrina will kiss and run To her a romance is fun With always another one to start And yet when you've met that little coquette Katrina You've lost your Yes, one glance at this tempting morsel was quite enough to fill Ichabod's mind with many sugared thoughts and hopeful dreams. Ah, ah, Katrina, who can resist your grace, your charm? And who can resist your father's farm? Boy, what a layout. And though the schoolmaster was well aware he faced a formidable rival in the person of Brom Bones himself, still he was determined to win the fair Katrina for his own. Thus, when an invitation arrived to attend a Halloween frolic at the Van Tassel farm, Ichabod was in a transport of joy. Oh, Icky, oh, you sly old dog. What is this power you have over women? Well, tonight's the night, boy. Just turn on the old charm and the fair Katrina and the farm are yours for the asking. And so nobly attired in his only suit of rusty black and mounted upon a borrowed steed, the schoolmaster set forth to win the hand of his lady fair. In all the countryside, there was nothing to equal a merrymaking at Mynheer Van Tassel's farm. Here, indeed, was the perfect field for Ichabod's endeavors. But beyond all his other talents, the schoolmaster prided himself upon his dancing. Not a limb, not a fiber about him was idle. And to see him in full motion, his loosely hung frame clattering about the room, <laughs> oh, you would think that St. Vitus himself was figuring before you in person. Ha, <laughs> yeah. Ichabod was the man of the hour. He received the smiles of Katrina and the plaudits of the crowd. Brom Bones was forced to concede his rival a major victory. But as he watched the posturing pedagogue, Brom's wily brain devised a plan. He recalled a certain murky glen that lay between the Van Tassel farm and the village. It was through this dismal dell that the schoolmaster must pass on his homeward way that night. And Brom also recalled that there was no more firm and potent believer in things supernatural than Ichabod Crane. Thus, when the dance was over and talk among the guests had drifted around to the telling of weird and ghostly tales, as was the custom on Halloween, Brom Bones was ready with the most gruesome tale of all, the story of the Headless Horseman. Now this dread specter, as the country folk well knew, was the dominant specter that haunted Sleepy Hollow. 
Indeed, he was the top brass in the spook and goblin department in this enchanted region. Some said he was the ghost of a Hessian trooper whose head had been carried away by a cannonball during the Revolutionary War. And certain authentic historians stated that once each year on All Hallows' Eve, the specter rode forth in quest of a head to replace the one he had lost. True, other authorities on the matter insisted that the horseman already had a head, a horrible flaming thing which he carried before him on the pommel of his saddle. But there was one point upon which all agreed. The ghost did possess a saber, an enormous gleaming weapon with which he strove mightily to decapitate every hapless victim who chanced to cross his path. Such was the gist of Brahm's dreadful tale which he seemed to direct particularly to Ichabod Crane, and which he summed up with this dire warning. Just gather round and I'll elucidate on what happens in Sleepy Hollow when it gets late. Long about midnight, the ghosts and banshees, they get together for their nightly jamborees. There's things with horns and saucer eyes and some with fangs about this size. Some are fat and some are thin and some don't even wear their skin. I'm telling you, brother, it's a frightful sight in Sleepy Hollow on Halloween night. And so, my friends, tonight take heed. The headless horseman on his steed rides the road through the hollow there. He wants your head. Look out. Beware. With a hip-hop and a clippity-clop, he's out looking for a head to swap. So don't try to figure out a plan. You can't reason with a headless man! It was the very witching hour of night when Ichabod astride his sorry nag entered the portals of the dreadful hollow. To keep up his flagging courage, the pedagogue began to whistle. When suddenly, there loomed up in the road before him a huge, misshapen, towering thing. Ichabod's hair rose in terror, his teeth chattered. His knees smote against the saddle. No, 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 no. But yes, it was a horseman, gigantic in height, muffled in a cloak, and horror upon horrors. The head that should have rested upon his shoulders was carried upon the pommel of his saddle. Transfixed with fear, Ichabod watched as the phantom drew from beneath his cloak a long, gleaming saber, and then... The stroke missed by a hair's breadth, and with a shriek of fright, the worthy pedagogue was off as fast as his horse could carry him. But on the instant, with a scream of fiendish laughter, <laughs> the demon took off in hot pursuit. Stretching his long, lank body over his horse's head, the schoolmaster strove to widen the gap. Come on, boy. Come on, horsey. Oh, horsey, please, come on. The ancient nag responded as best he could, but alas, it was all too evident that the demon was closing ground. <laughs> and then, and then a ray of hope for just ahead the road crossed an ancient bridge that marked the limits of the hollow. Beyond lay safety. For here, according to the legend, the specter's power must end. Get up, horse. Oh, see, get up, get up, come on. And so with one last convulsive kicking about hurled his flying steed across the resounding flanks. And safe upon the other side, he pulled his horse to a stop. Turned to watch his pursuer vanish according to the rule in a flash of fire and brimstone, but instead he beheld the horseman rising in his stirrups, and from his outflung hand came hurtling straight toward Ichabod the demon's awful grinning head. Ah! Next morning the schoolmaster was nowhere to be found. 
There was only his hat lying in the dust by the old bridge, and close beside it, a shattered pumpkin. Curiously enough, the pumpkin had been carved in the semblance of a human face, a face which seemed to cause Brom Bones much merriment. Indeed, there were some who believed he knew far more about the incident than he cared to tell. Uh-huh. In any case, it was shortly thereafter that Brom led the fair Katrina to the altar. And though rumors kept coming back that Ichabod was alive and married to a wealthy widow in a distant county, the good Dutch settlers scoffed at such nonsense, for they knew the schoolmaster had been spirited away by the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow. And as the years passed by, the schoolhouse deserted now fell into decay. And oft times on a still summer evening, the plowboy, loitering homeward, would fancy he heard a distant voice singing an old familiar tune. Ichabod, that's his name. Ask him and he'll tell you a same. Funny man and funny name. Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. I just came here to see. No, I can't be my guest. Quiet. Where are those happy days back when I wasn't scarred? I try to reach for you, but the hook makes it hard. Whatever happened to my hand? I wish I understood. It used to be so nice. It used to be so good. So when you're near me, darling, can't you hear me? S.O.S. The love you gave me, nothing else could save me. S.O.S. No, sing, sing, sing. When you're gone, how can I even try to go on? When you're gone. Though I try, how can I carry on? Okay, that's stop the singing. You seem so far away, though you were swimming near. That damn tick-tock on the clock in the crock that I hear. Very good, Mr. Smith. Thank you, sir. I really tried to take you back. I wish I understood. What happened to my hand? used to be so good So when you're near me Darling, can't you hear me? S.O.S. The love you gave me Nothing else can save me S.O.S. When you're gone How can I even try to go on? When you're gone That's enough piping. Go back to the singing now. So when you're near me, gotta get you hear me. S.O.S. 
to be confused with Oogie Boogie. You're listening to the Goober Hour, bringing you Halloween screams straight to your airwaves. Ah! Ah! Coming up, we've got another spooky story, followed by an interview with the subject of that story, Dracula himself. I'm shaking in my boots right now, folks. This is radio history for the ages. But first, if you ever met the Invisible Man, what would you say? I know you don't look different, but you have changed. I'm looking through you, you're not to blame. Your lips are moving, I cannot hear. Your voice is soothing, but the words aren't clear. You don't sound different, I've learned I'm looking through you, you're not the same. 
famous castle of the Alexis family had long towered on the hillside in the Bavarian Valley. Count Alexis himself, the last surviving member of the historic clan, was tall and handsome and kind. Indeed, the only wonder in the village was when would he marry and raise a son to continue the glory of his ancestors. And then one storm-tossed night when he was out on the marshes with his hunting dog, Alexis saw a tall, beautiful, dark-haired woman in a long, flowing veil walking across the meadows towards him. It seemed her carriage had overturned on the bridge and crashed into the raging waters of the Casna River. Her driver and horses had perished, but she had managed to save herself. The Count had already surrendered to the romance of their meeting, but only the hound dog seemed to whimper and growl and behave badly whenever the lady drew near him. But the Count insisted that the lady be his guest and took her straight to his castle. Within a fortnight, Alexis had wooed and won her. And the village celebrated the wonderful news. Alexis would have an heir. But in the days preceding the marriage, the young Count seemed to be failing in health. He lost weight so that his uniform seemed to hang on him. And curiously enough, to the staff of the castle, Sonia, their future mistress, fairly glowed with health since her ordeal in the river. But when no one could recall seeing her in the daytime, rumors began to spread. The old wives' tales about vampires who stalk at night and sleep in the daytime swept through the village like wildfire. And finally, up in the master bedroom where he lay exhausted, Count Alexis himself had to credit the rumors. How else this sudden loss of weight and failing health. And why should Sonia's blooming good health coincide exactly with the loss of his own vitality? Count Alexis made up his mind. He pulled the bell cord by his bed and summoned his manservant. When the fellow appeared, the Count asked that his fiancée be brought to him. But the servant shook his head. The Lady Sonia had gone out before dawn, riding off to the west, as was her usual custom. Count Alexis had heard enough. He dressed, armed himself with a short dagger, and ordered his fastest horse. He thundered down the castle road off to the west, towards the very spot where he had first met Sonia. The meadows were barren, and darkness was coming on. Count led his horse carefully over the hilly ground. Finally, he found what he was looking for. A stone slab set in the earth, covered over with vines and leaves. Triumphantly, he, he dragged it to one side and looking down, he could just make out an open coffin with Sonia lying in it. 
her pale beauty and blood-red lips gleaming in the dying light. Alexis drew his dagger and raised it for the kill. But he said the only way that you can kill a vampire is a stake through the heart while it sleeps. But suddenly, the dagger fell from his hands and a slow, eerie smile played over his face. Like a stone man, he settled down beside her to wait for the vampire's hour. For he had learned Sonia's secret too late. Too late to stop him from becoming a vampire himself. See now, my friend? See? Those two bats wheeling through the darkness? <laughs> it's Sonia and Count Alexis winging through the night and waiting for the chance to assume human form again. You don't believe me? Well, I'm sorry. The people of the village will believe nothing else. My, 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 but you do have a soft, delicate throat. Come in. Who is it? No! Ah! <laughs> He's a vampire. 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 Welcome back to the Goober Hour. I am now so pleased to say that I am joined on the line by Mr. Dracula himself. Thank you so much for joining us. Please, please, Trevor, call me Drac. Of Drac, thank you for, for joining us. It is no problem. Wow, okay, you know, not to jump to conclusions, but I, I, I really thought that you were going to have a, a different accent, maybe. Uh, 
you know, that's the media putting ideas in your head of what vampires are. You don't even know what vampires are. No, no, I've never encountered a, a vampire, luckily. Hey, 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 watch it. Watch it, okay? We're actually a lovely group of people. I want to say the movies that have been made about me are really, really unflattering. That must be true if you're Dracula. I'm sure those don't always put you in the best light. Those movies. You're telling me everybody thinks I'm out here luring people to my castle and sucking on their necks. That is definitely what we all think you're doing. Is that not what vampires do? Well, I mean, we do that, but that's not the only thing we do. You know, those movies are incredibly inaccurate. Okay, all the movies about vampires are inaccurate? I didn't say all of uh, them. Okay, well, is, which which movies would you say are most realistic? say um have you heard of the twilight movies that the twilight movie with robert pattinson yeah yes i've i've heard of those those are extremely accurate really yeah we're all super hot and we sparkle in the sun baby we are not at all deathly afraid of the sun we just sparkle like little models wow i you know i never would have guessed that those movies are so accurate to vampires lives yeah well i'm here to let our story be known so you're not actually afraid of the sun at all well i mean if i encountered the sun I would probably burst into flames. Oh, oh. But I I look really good while doing okay, it, you so, know? <laughs> so what you're saying is you don't sparkle in the sun. I burst into flames, sparkle in the sun. Same thing. Same thing, really. And you do lure people to your castle. Only if they look really tasty. I don't see what the big deal is. I could have a family. I could raise a family in the forest like little Robert Patty. I could do it. Okay, but you don't, though. You just lure people to your castle. Yeah, and I suck on their necks. All right. Well, you know what? It's starting to sound a little bit like all the other movies about vampires might be a little more accurate than Twilight, and you're just no, trying to... No, no, no. I'd say Stephanie Mayer's actually got it really correct. I think we're all really hot and really sparkly, and you should not be afraid of us, and you should follow us in the forest into our castle, uh, because we probably will just hang out and have a good time. You'd probably suck on our necks if we followed you into the castle. Yeah, well, that too, you know. <laughs> Listen, I gotta run. I gotta go uh, grocery shopping. Gro vampire's grocery shop? Is that what, what are you gonna get? Oh, uh, you know, I'm gonna hit up the deli department, see if they've got any scraps. I'm gonna... Get the most recent newspaper so I can know what's going on in the world. Oh, that's very intelligent of you. I can lay it down whenever I uh, bring my next victim into the castle. That way I don't get blood everywhere. Oh, oh that's know. disgusting. Blood that's disgusting. Fire, uh, Robin Patty, baby. Frankenstein had a hot right card. E-I-E-I. -E Whoa. He filled the tank with a pint of blood. Pine top, 
Substitute. So much candy in this bag, it's gonna last until November or December, January, February, March, or April, April, January, February, March, or May, or June, or maybe April. Everyone's outside, bags are open wide. February, March, or May, or June, or maybe April. All leaves in
I scare people. Watch what happens when I walk up to somebody. <laughs> I'm a mummy. <laughs> I was born 1,959 years ago. My daddy was a mummy too. Watch what happens when I walk up to somebody. <laughs> I'm a mummy. <laughs> I don't try to scare people. I really came back to life to buy a copy of Cookie Cookie, lend me your comb. But people run from me. Watch what happens when I walk up to somebody. <laughs> I'm a mommy. <laughs> I wish there was somebody somewhere who wasn't afraid of me. Oh well. Watch what happens when I walk up to somebody. <laughs> I'm a mummy. That's cool. I'm a mummy. You mean you're a mother? No, I'm a mummy. I'm a beatnik. The people are afraid of me. Yeah, I'm hip. I was born 1,959 years ago. Oh yeah? Like, that's a long gig. Where can I buy a copy of Cookie Cookie, then your comb? Ooh, man, I don't dig that jazz. You know, Brubeck, Shearing, Modern Jazz Quartet. I'm a mummy. Man, you gotta walk through. Aren't you afraid of me? Aren't you gonna scream? Oh, yeah. Like, help. People eat it to me Cause a one-eyed, one-horned Flying purple people eat a one-eyed, one-horned Flying purple people eat a one-eyed, one-horned Flying purple people eat a Sure looks strange to me Well, he come down to earth And he sat in a tree I said, Mr. Purple People Eater Don't eat me I heard him say in a voice of gruff Sound 
gives me pause. I hesitate to not because it's always so spooky. The owners are kooky. I go ahead and knock, and a spider opens the door. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Even when life is scary at times, all things must come to an end, and that includes the Goulber Hour. I want to thank you so much for joining us. The Goulber Hour will be making its horrifying return next year, but in the meantime, we'll be broadcasting every week once again with the Goober Hour. You can find us at thegooberhour.com or on social media at the Goober Hour. I want to thank you if you're listening on Jump 105.3, PRX, Positively Morrinsville 87.7, or our very own Goober Club, which you can find out about joining at thegooberhour.com. I've been your host, Trevor Walls, season screamings. I'll see you next week, but until then... There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day